small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Yeah, I guess the bells are ringing. The bells are ringing, Billy Mack. Hello there. And, uh, you know, Varys was involved in some real major stuff at Dragonstone Castle, where the uh, Targaryens were uh, up to all kind of crazy stuff on the Iron Throne. And uh, I just, I really just couldn't believe how things uh, happened last week that were completely out of character for uh, Tyrion and John and uh, the Queen. Of course, the Queen and Danny. Wait, are you talking um, about that department I'm having run-ins with at work? <laughs> no, we're talking about Game of Thrones oh. here on Rebel Force Radio. And, and that's right. You're listening to Rebel Force Radio for May 17th, 2017, with a couple of guys who've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no. But we see you complaining online about it, and we, we wonder if there will be ramifications on the Star Wars universe from uh, some of the guys who are responsible for the Game of Thrones thing happening on HBO recently. And, of course, Benioff and Weiss are going to be entering into the galaxy far, far away very soon. And I don't know, I thought their uh, track record was really good coming into this season, but apparently people are bent out of shape about things that are happening on Game of Thrones. It's tough. It's tough when your favorite franchise is coming to an end. And I have to be honest with you, a lot of my opinions and feelings about the sequel trilogy twisted around a little bit when they announced that... Episode 9 is the end of the Skywalker saga. So I get it. I get it. When it all, is all coming to an end, there's almost this desperation moment you start having. And big franchises don't end well. I can't think of a big franchise that had a series or a film franchise come to an end that was truly satisfying across the board. What about the Bob Newhart show? <laughs> okay, maybe the Bob Newhart <laughs> show. But, you Where know, he I, woke up and he was on the old show. I'm just I'm, I'm more or less talking about this era of nerd genre franchises that really require a lot of investment from their viewing audience. So much so that when they do get to the finish line, you want to have your audience feeling fulfilled with the story and feeling like they have been there from the beginning, the middle, and the end, and it all made sense along the way. You know, I'm starting to reach the conclusion that that perhaps the, the more intricate the story is, the harder it is to end it, right? Do you think so? Well, maybe. It I just mean, seems like it's so impossible for them to tie everything up. 
in, in a satisfying way mm-hmm. for people. Although I, I also there there are some finales that I kind of like, but I I I, I think uh, it has a lot to do with expectations, you know, that people bring, and and it's just there's almost no way around it. They people just they think all their theories, all their storylines, all the little all the little uh, Easter eggs, everything's going to come together. Although I saw that uh, Avengers movie the other day, I gotta say I, I felt pretty satisfied with that. You like? I that thought one, that yeah. did a great job at bringing all those movies together. I mean, I didn't even know that that was the the mission of that movie. So I was really kind of pleasantly surprised to see how many other films were referenced in that. You know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, this is so. true, and I think that is kind of on the shoulders of Episode Nine now to provide that for the Star Wars saga. So. I hope you know. I I feel very optimistic. I, I have uh, my fingers crossed, and uh, I think uh, JJ and those guys will succeed. I really hope so. I really, really hope so. But uh, let's just say that show that we do after the first viewing is going to be very interesting. It's going to mm. be very interesting, and I don't want it to be sugar coated. I want it to be as real as possible because this is the end. You know, this is what everything has been gearing towards for the last four plus decades. And I've got a lot of investment into this story. So I, of course, want to see it end well. But uh, we'll leave the nitpicking for the years to come. I think we'll break down and analyze the addition to the mythology first and foremost, just like we did with The Force Awakens, just like we did with The Last Jedi. And then when it comes to serious nitpicking, that will come in time, naturally, I'm sure. So It's always the real test. You know? Yeah, but strap in. It's going to be a wild ride. The show this week, it promises to be a wild ride. We have no swank, <laughs> as you guys can tell. Uh, he is in New York City checking out all the latest Broadway has to offer. Living large in Manhattan, is uh, Jason Swank. So we uh, want to carry on, though. Is Puppet Lando, can you kind of cough up a little Puppet Lando voice there? Uh, I don't know if I it's possible. So. Can you like do it without an audience? I, I was just worried yes. that after uh, Star Wars Celebration, you wouldn't do it without an audience. Well, I do it in my car, so I'm sure I could do it without... <laughs> <laughs> without but I didn't really want to do uh, any um, Puppet Lando segments without Jason here this week. Oh. Because he loves it so much. I know. I mean, it really gets his blood flowing, know. you know? It gets his heart pounding. I always think he's going to have, like, a brain aneurysm. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> I know it's impossible to laugh yourself into having a brain aneurysm, but Jason would probably be the first to do it. So I thought it would be interesting if we could introduce virtual swank this week. This is, this is something revolutionary. This is something that's never been done before in <clears throat> podcasting. Virtual swank, okay? So whenever you say anything sounding like Puppet Lando, I have, ah. I have a collection here of uh, swank laughs that I can fire off. So it's virtual <laughs> swank, right? I see. Okay. <laughs> See, right. he loves Hold the on. idea. He, yeah. he thinks that's a great idea. <laughs> he can't get enough. He just is, is loving it. <laughs> so it's like he's here. So let's go ahead and um, let's hear. Uh, get you know what? I I'm going all the way here. I'm I'm going to get music to set the mood all right. because I know that we spoiled you greatly here in Chicago when we had our uh, musical uh, director with us on stage at uh, 
Reggie's oh, in Chicago. Glenn. Yeah, we yeah. had Glenn Nelson with us. That's right. Had the mood music. Right. Had so a piano. So I think uh, you know I don't have a piano or anything right now uh, at my disposal, but I do have some music I could play right. that probably set the mood just right here. If I just there we go. Oh. All right. Now wait, let me make sure that. Uh, okay. So we have the music, and do we have virtual swank? <laughs> That works. Okay, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. These are real Billy D. Williams tweets that you can find at Real BDW. That's at Real BDW on Twitter. That's Billy D. Williams' official Twitter account. And he's uh, Jason's so excited, he can't wait for us to get into it. So, Puppet Lando now is going to bring us the latest in Billy hey. D. Williams' tweets. How you doing, everybody? <laughs> Oh, it's just doing great. I mean, it's it's so good to have you here with us, Puppet Lando. Oh, you got a lot of guts coming here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look absolutely beautiful. Now, let me let me now, hold on, Jason. Let me let me read you some of my my Twitter my tweets. I you know. It, <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> Virtual Swank is ready for you. Oh, you know when I'm sitting down with my morning paper and doing my Sudoku, <laughs> I'll, I'll sometimes get online and... <laughs> oh, oh, it sounded like Paul Bateman was jumping in. A, <laughs> I'll do a few few tweets. Let me, let, me read, let me read some for you. Now, first of all, I'd like to thank you for the kind words and well wishes at Hamill himself. Oh, this is a tweet. Uh, he's oh. tweeting directly oh, to, to my, Mark Hamill. My old co-star, Luke Skywalker. Hold on, hold on. All hell's breaking loose. Stop. All right, now I got to get back in the mood. All right, hold on, hold on. All hell broke loose there. For I was a... working pretty well there. Uh, it was, it was, it was. Virtual Swank is, it's new technology. And it hasn't really been field tested that much yet. So <laughs> it was let's almost just... there. It felt like he was here. It, it really did. It really did. So here, we're going to jump back in here. Where do you... Uh, see, it's starting to feel pretty good. Um, I think S- Virtual Swank is feeling pretty good. Yeah, he's there. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll have to just remember uh, to hit the right buttons this time. And uh, let's get back into Billy D tweets. Yeah, I wanted to share with you some of my tweets. Oh, well, you think that's funny. You're really going to like this one. This goes out to my, this goes out to my old co-star. Thank you for the kind words and well wishes at Hamill himself. It takes cool to know C-O-O-O-L, my friend. <laughs> he added an extra O, it sounded like. Billy D. Williams is, is so cool. cool. Yeah, he's so cool when he uses the word cool, it has an extra O. That's right. Well, when you're, when you're a galactic entrepreneur... Such as myself. These are the type of habits you you tend to develop after a while. Uh, here's another tweet. Everyone should have at Gunner in their life to keep them motivated at the gym. Oh, and it doesn't hurt to have the four tops playing in the background. 
And I think you know what I mean. Sugar pie. Depends honey on how bunch. many beers you've had. <laughs> what, what was that? Well, that might. <laughs> well, Jason, that might have been the night before. You know? <laughs> That's usually when I get together and have a few refreshments. <laughs> <laughs> when you smile, the whole world smiles back. And I put a little emoji there for you, Jason. <laughs> this is worth I use another one that goes out to Luke Skywalker. Add <laughs> <laughs> Hamill himself. You should be used to getting everyone's knickers in a bunch. That's part of your charm, man. Oh, we got a pretty good relationship, me and Hamill himself. <laughs> do, you, do you call him Hamill himself when yeah, he Yeah, well, you know, in the social networking age, you know, sometimes we take <laughs> we take on those uh, those handles. Uh, here's one for at here's one for at real BDW May 4th. May the 4th rise, the force within us all. <laughs> Uh, that sounded. <laughs> what is it? Why uh, you know, it? Jimmy Mack. That sounded like there were more than one Jason there. <laughs> oh, he's got. This is Attack of the Clones here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole chorus of. It's a whole you know, audience. I think I, I'm, I'm starting to think that Lobot put something in my refreshment last night. <laughs> Like harmonizing with himself. Yeah, so, sounds like he's duplicating himself. And right, now here's one for my old director. At George, oh no, hashtag George Lucas. You are a significant part of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. You, you, you certainly become a significant part of our lives here, yeah. uh, Puppet Lando. <laughs> At uh, Rebel Force Radio. Well, I'm always glad to be here. Well, we're always glad to have you. Even uh, Jason, I mean, he just... I'm sure he would uh, express his true feelings for you if he He's could... a very expressive guy. If he could ever stop laughing. He's having too much. You know, this reminds me sitting in the cockpit of the Falcon trying to get some of those lines off and... <laughs> we all just started laughing. And I was sitting next to the creature, uh, my co-pilot. I think his name was Akbar or something. We, <laughs> but we had a picture to do. <laughs> and you, you did it, man. It, yeah, you know. We, it was absolutely. <laughs> threw it off. All right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Puppet Lando, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here with us this week. What do you think, Jason? Depends on how many beers you've had. <laughs> hey, I'm Ray Parker. I play Darth Maul, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio. Rancho Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, as recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. 
Become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan right now to get exclusive access to tours of Rancho Obi-Wan hosted by Steve Sansweet, invites to special events, and more. Plus, you can also make a difference and help Rancho Obi-Wan grow with a simple donation of $1 or higher. Visit RanchoObiWan.org now to get the latest news, become a member, or make a donation. RanchoObiWan.org. Some pretty big news this week. Uh, maybe not really big news, but more information on some of the big news that broke last week about the future for the Star Wars franchise. And we'll be uh, digging into that a little bit this week with uh, post-celebration Billy Mack. Yeah. This is the first time we've uh, had you on the show, I think, since we wrapped up those festivities. So, yeah. Does it seem like it's been longer than a month? No, it's, it feels like it's been about a month. I still have a little bit of the... StarWars.com live stream to make it through, so I'm not even done with that yet. Well, you're way ahead of me. Yeah. No, I, you know, I promised myself to try to consume as much as I can that happened at that event because uh, there was just no way to actually get to everything that was happening during those five days. One thing, though, that we didn't even try doing was trying to uh, wait in that four-hour line to get into the Celebration store for all their exclusives. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad I didn't wait because uh, the online celebration store went uh, active this week, and uh, I jumped right on. So. I haven't even really looked at all the. Did they have a, an exclusive figure? Seems like they always no, used to have a. No, there was no Hasbro exclusive this time around. Oh, that's too bad. That's that's kind of traditional, right? Did they did they stop doing that recently, or has that been a while? Mm, I think the last few conventions have been without. The exclusive action figure release. I'm pretty sure. You remember the one that started it all, right? Well, at least for us. Well, it would be George Sackle. George Sackle, that's right. Or, or George Sackle, <laughs> as some people yeah. call him. George Sackle. Yes. Which is Lucas spelled backwards. So it was George Lucas Kinda and like an Tobor. X-Wing pilot you know, flight suit. And then we, there was a guy that was going, that we saw walking around dressed as that. Oh, in Indianapolis, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was a dead ringer, too. Yeah, he looked great. He had the hair. And if there's anything that I could have that George Lucas has outside of his bank account, I'd want his hair. Oh, it's magnificent. Well, he's God, he's got some great hair. Wow. Uh, oh, by the way, happy birthday this week to George Lucas, who turned 75. I'm retired. Well, at age 75, you know. It's time to live life the way you want to, I think. Um, but, you know, his contemporaries are still out there working. Coppola, Spielberg, Scorsese. Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison. But, uh, you know, they're still out there working. But George, you know, he wanted to step back from all that hustle and bustle and actually settle down and, and raise a family again. <laughs> I don't know about Coppola. It's, Coppola's not still making movies, is he? Oh, you know, I don't think we've or really... He just, he just does wine now and stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're, but he never made the grandiose I'm retired announcement. No. You never make the I'm retired announcement. You just don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. Why make it so final, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, George Lucas's case, he's he's up there on a pedestal, unlike even a guy like Francis Ford Coppola could understand from us ravenous fans who want <laughs> answers from him and everything else. But So post-celebration, though, um, what did you think of the show on a whole? Well, it 
I, I think the, the thing I keep going back to um, is, is how much the experience of that convention has changed, I think, for all of us over the years. And I, I, I don't mean all of us as fans. I mean my circle mm-hmm. specifically, me, Jimmy, Jason, because it, it really has become focused on Rebel Force Radio, our friends, um, more of a social aspect. Yeah, yeah, which is way different from from when we first – and, I mean, I have wonderful memories of <clears throat> doing um, guerrilla-style interviewing and, you know, uh, running around with Jim and, and, and getting into every single panel. And, and we don't quite do that anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's just, it's the whole experience has evolved and I, and I, I enjoy that too. I'm kind of glad we're not running around so much as much, you know, as finally as I look back on those days, but it's, it is nice to just kind of sit and talk about these movies and have a cigar and a glass of wine. As we look back at Celebration and the reveals and the panels and all of that. What did you walk out of there looking most forward to? I would have to say The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm most looking forward to that. Yeah, because to me that feels like it has more of its roots in traditional Star Wars that we know and love. Mm -hmm. Well, and plus, too, they they really showed us a lot. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, of course, I'm extremely excited for Episode Nine, but... You know, I mean, we got a a 20-second trailer, really. It was a little bit longer than that. But um, there's not a ton of meat there, really. I don't think so. I mean, there was way more Mandalorian material. I liked what I saw from some of the action. And the characters look compelling. I just keep thinking about IG-88 just going gangbusters. That quick clip of him. Now, you know that that's not IG-88 specific, right? No. It's, yeah, it's been revealed that that droid is an assassin droid known as IG-11. 11. 11. Was it probably, probably you know, twin or what? Nah, probably was cashing that? in on Stranger Things success. You know, you want to just call him 11. So, uh, I see. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I find it highly unlikely that was the motivation. Wait, how do you know that? How do you know that that's Stranger not IG-88? Because I know things. And it was revealed that that is IG-11. Okay. It's IG Millie Bobby Brown. I see. Well, IG-88 ended up uh, with what? In the, with the Ugnaughts? Weren't uh, they well, tossing the head around? Okay. Is that the end of right. IG-88? Let me throw in some expanded universe lore now, okay? That was revealed that that droid was actually IG-72. <laughs> I'm not, I am not making this up. You can Google IG-72. Okay. And that droid will be I believe revealed you. I believe you. as the droid. Because if you notice, that droid is more um, grayish, like a lighter gray uh-huh. in color, as opposed to that gunmetal gray that IG-88 is. Yeah. When you see that IG droid sitting in Cloud City. Oh, that's right. It's just sitting on the floor there. Right. Leaning up against the wall. But you, it, it's almost whitish in in color, oh. as opposed to IG eighty eight, who is a darker gray. Okay, I guess I yeah, I guess so. I just I always thought that was you know Bespin dust or something. Bespin. <laughs> Somebody asked online somewhere. They said, "Why did Jimmy and Billy always call it Bespin as opposed to Bespin?" I call it Bespin. 
So do I. I call it Best. I call it Cloud City more than anything. Billy D. Williams calls it Bespin. So if you listen to the way that Lando says Bespin in. Well, I guess. Speci- is it, where, where do you get that from specifically? Yeah, because I don't. One of the they, documentaries? Uh, I got it from the uh, video game um, Jedi. Shoot, I keep wanting to say Last Jedi. Jedi it's Outcast? Jedi Outcast, yes. Yeah. Yes. And Billy D does the voice in that, and there's a whole sequence that takes place on Bespin. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see Lando's ship, the Lady Luck. Yes. That's which is kind of has a customized van type of feel to it, and uh, well, it's like crushed velvet interior and everything. Yeah, didn't I record some of that dialogue for you at one point? I think I did. Oh yeah, we featured that on a Billy D quote of the week a while ago. Jedi Outcast. That's a weird name for a video game. Jedi Outcast. Did did you play that game? I did. Yeah, on what? on GameCube. So that was quite a while ago. What but, was that uh, all about? Uh, Kyle Katarn, he is the Jedi outcast. Oh, so it's, it's a re- it was a really great game. I mean, yeah. it had a lot of original trilogy locations, mm-hmm. you know, places that look like the Death Star and stuff. And the thing I remember about the game is that you gradually learn the Force abilities as you go. So you know, you learn push and lightning and all this. Right, stuff. it's like Dark Forces too, but this is part of that series, I believe. That all originated with Dark Forces, Kyle Katarn, Dark Forces. Exactly. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that. Yeah, it was like a sequel to something that w- that wasn't on GameCube. So, uh, but so you had the GameCube running through your home stereo, and uh, you decided to record some of the Billy D lines from that video game. So here they are. Grife, I'm sorry, Kyle. What does it look like I'm doing? I'm sitting in a cell. What about you? <laughs> hey, I can be a charming guy when I want to. You two have had another one of your fights, haven't you? Well, come on, let's go. You can buy some flowers on Besman. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yes. Okay. The there you go. You can clearly hear. Oh, he says, that's all coming back to me. Because there's a thing on there where you could shut off all the sound effects and everything. And so I was able to isolate the voice. And it was that thing where he's like, what does it look like I'm doing? That was so funny because I, I always get a kick out of uh, video games, like when you do what, things that you're not supposed to be doing. And the characters will sometimes say stuff to you, you know, like, stop looking there, you pervert, or something like that. <laughs> I had a video game actually say that to me one time. So, you know, I, got, <laughs> I actually had a video. I did. Game. Yeah. Resident Evil. So stop <laughs> looking there. You, you pervert. pervert. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but it's kind of like, I think you had a similar uh, recording of Billy D for a slot machine or something. Oh, yeah. So when you engage the character, if you, you know, if you shot at him or something like that, you can get a whole series of pretty funny audio where it's just like, you know, him reacting to things like, like, hey, oh, you know, (laughs) stop looking that way, Kyle. You know, oh, you better get going, you know, and you could just picture Billy T sitting there, you know, recording (laughs) this stuff. I'm not really good at reading cue cards. You can hear, you can clearly hear though. He does say Besbin. Besbin. You can buy some flowers on Besbin. There you go. Yeah, on Besbin. So that, yeah, he's a Besbian. Here he says right here. Besbin. 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 They're doing a little <laughs> hot mixing on uh, Billy D. Hey, let's hear the rest of these sound clips. I don't believe it. It's not my fault. We're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, there it is. All right. Say goodbye to this wretched hive of scum and villainy, and hello to Cloud City. <laughs> Yeehaw! Oh, that's a great montage. Holy crap, is that funny? <laughs> But yeah, so you can hear that uh, clip get its proper Billy D quote of the week treatment at Rebel Force Radio on YouTube, and also you'll find those uh, slot machine clips. All the Billy D quotes of the week eventually will end up at home on the RFR channel at YouTube. So uh, check that out if you ever need your Billy D fix. It's a playlist, so you can hear them one after another after another. It's uh, you can give yourself a Billy D quote of the week marathon. Awesomeness. Okay, Bill, one more thing. So you are a vintage guy. You're a vintage collector. Yep. You wear vintage clothing. Pretty much. Your hairstyle is vintage. It, it is. Uh, there's just a lot about you. <laughs> your underpants. What vintage am I, by the way? <laughs> what would you, what, 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 Star, where would you put me? Star Wars original generation. Vintage. Indeed. So the new Hasbro vintage action figure line hits store shelves this week. Uh, it's called the Retro Collection. Yeah. All right. So they're exact replicas of the original vintage Star Wars action figures, three and three quarter inch line. And it's a Target exclusive. You didn't happen to pick any up this week, did you? No. Are you planning on collecting these? Um, undecided. Oh, undecided. I not that I have a problem with the line. We we talked about that. Yeah. So. Um, I think it would be cool to have the the carded figures just for display or whatever. Right. I don't know if I'm going to lay down and buy them. I just I find that as the years go on, I I as I accumulate stuff, I really. You know, have this conversation with myself every time I, yeah. you know, see something that appeals to me, um, and they do appeal to me. I mean, they're they're very cool. Um, I just I haven't, yeah. Don't I know. See don't, know. don't know yet. I'm gonna pick I, them up. I want to see them for myself. Did so, you see them in the display cabinets at the at the show? I didn't. At the Hasbro spend, booth. I did not spend. Oh, really? much Time looking at them. I looked at those weird the weird Vaders that are multicolored. Yeah. What was that all about? Oh, it's supposed to represent some sort of factory test shot or something where they just, it doesn't matter to them what the color is. So they just use whatever's left over in the factory just to run the molds through a test run. Uh Wow, that's kind of deep. Isn't it for an official release? I was thinking so. I was thinking so. It's like releasing a prototype I don't know. I mean, I've seen I've seen figures they've done of of like the 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 Macquarie art. Yes. Oh, you know well, the concepts are, and stuff. But that I that's a little bit, that's I a mean, little bit different. Yeah, those I mean, are amazing. Like action figure prototype carded. Yeah, that's that's unusual. Yeah, really weird. A really weird choice, and it'll probably be hard as hell to find mm. when it finally is released, much like this retro collection. So it's a Target exclusive, and I went searching for them a couple of times this week, which has been fun for me because I don't do those action figure runs like I used to religiously because, uh, well, quite honestly, this stuff, don't, this stuff doesn't make it to the pegs. And when it does, you have these eBay hounds who are at the stores at you know six in the morning and stuff and 
their score in the whole collection. Well, but I, I think they've put a restriction on how many you can buy at certain targets. Mm-hmm. Some of them say you can only walk out of there with one, one figure per person. Which is like, well, but they're all different. They're, you know, there's a whole collection of like six different figures. Yeah. But you can only get one. So some targets are enforcing that. This is the weirdest toy release of all time. Here's something else that's odd about it. A lot of targets have been stocking these things in the men's department. Huh. Isn't that weird? Like with the men's clothing? And yes. Stuff? Like by the wallets and accessories and stuff. And then, like, look, there's action figures. What the hell's going on here? I think they want to try to get the kids from the 70s and 80s who will be drawn to the nostalgia. But, I mean, if you're drawn to the nostalgia, you're probably already a collector to begin with. So you know where in the damn Target to find the damn toys in the toy department. Hello? So if you're out there on the hunt going to your local Target's, Check out that men's section. Uh, they're they're very well. Could be Star Wars action figures for the executive in your life. It's it's right next to the ties. Yeah, no, seriously, seriously. Uh, well, that's, that's a, not an yeah, over exaggeration. That's exactly what they're all. going for. Is that demographic? Yeah, no doubt about it. Silly. Silly. And and what else is silly is the fake wear and tear on the cards themselves. But again, I'm saying this without actually seeing a sample, holding a sample in my hands. I might love it when I actually finally get it. But when I see the photos online, they don't do much for me. So I'm keeping my eye open for those suckers. Uh, Anyone has a set that they want to sell, get a hold of me because... uh, as fun as the toy runs are, I've already gone on two for these things, and I've struck out both times. So, well, can't you just can you order them? I think there was a pre-order that I missed out on. I saw something real. I just kind of came across it online of a guy that was opening what appeared to be a uh, like a box that oh, the whole thing yeah. came. But like the box was really cool. Yes, like that it was, was a vintage style box. It resembled the early bird. Yes. Yeah, that was it. That was something get sent that? out. It was a PR thing only. Oh. And it was sent out to select websites who are shills for Hasbro Star Wars. <sighs> we, are not, we are not recognized as an official shill, so we don't get this stuff <laughs> sent to us. It's a political game. I'm not going to play that stuff. You got to get on the shill list. No. <laughs> and, and, and it had the I've game. I've been on shill lists <laughs> in the past, my friend. It had the game in it, too, didn't it? Okay, no. With no. the Tarkin figure? No, that, that in I, the I box? I don't think so. I don't think so. The box didn't look like it could hold more than the half dozen of action figures. Okay. Also, that Han Solo Stormtrooper on a vintage card is floating around out there. Another Target exclusive. So, all of these are on my want list. So, uh, any of you uh, Rebel Force Radio Warriors out there who are hitting the toy aisles, if uh, you can help a brother out, let me know. Show at rebelforceradio.com. But don't make any purchases on my behalf without checking in with me first because I'm out there, you know, in the trenches just like you guys are. So I might come across uh, my particular bounty before you guys even hear this show. So so check in with me. uh, Show at rebelforceradio.com. Collectors helping collectors for sure. That's nice. That's very nice. So uh, with Billy Mac here and no swank, I like to go heavy on the voicemail and turn the show over to you guys 
because uh, we do the show for you guys, and uh, we're always very happy to hear what you think out there in podcast listening land. So we uh, want to uh, jump right into the voicemail here. Oh, can I say something real quick? No. And I'm no. Probably, well, of course you I'm can. Probably- <laughs> Whatever you want. You're probably going to regret it. All right, let's hear what you uh, Yeah, I'm already regretting Uh-oh. it. No, no, no. Okay, I can't no, wait. Not at all. I just want to say I, I had such a great time meeting so many listeners at the convention. And, uh, man, you guys, this show has some uh, fantastic people listening to it, and uh, I just—I've never really experienced that. I mean, I've done a few things with you guys before, but but nothing on this level. And when we were talking about the convention earlier and how things have kind of evolved and changed over the years, and my you know whole experience there, that was a huge factor. I was just kind of overwhelmed by all of it. It was great. So thank you to everybody who stopped and said hello and. Uh, I, I had such a great time and look forward to seeing you all again soon. That's great, Bill. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you had that warm and fuzzy experience there at the uh, McCormick <laughs> place. I just have to express floor. gratitude. It's such an important thing. And so. All right. Well, let's jump right into the voicemail. And here's one from Luca in London. Take it away, Luca. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Bill. I am uh, Luca from uh, London member of the RFR patron community. Very, I really appreciate all the great content that is coming up on the RSS feed every week. And I was just calling to pose a question to you guys about these new episodes of The Clone Wars that are will be released hopefully this year, although we don't have a release date yet. And just as far as what you would like to see from the series finale to tie it all up to Revenge of the Sith. I mean, we know that... It's going to be the Seizure Mandalore. We know Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and Darth Maul are going to be involved in that. But um, in your in your imagination, forgetting what we saw in the trailer, what would be your ideal way to to wrap up the show to connect it to Revenge of the Sith? Uh, love the show. Keep the great work. May the Force be with you guys. Well, that, that's a really good question, and it's we're in this sort of position where we have to kind of hold it up against the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars micro series because that series to me did the best job of tying the threads together between the end of well essentially the end of episode two and then bridging over into episode three because it takes you right up to the beginning of episode three And that's something that I said last week on the show. I would like to see the Clone Wars do. I would like to see it nice and tight and, you know, vacuum sealed. So there's really no room for maneuvering. How did they do that on that micro series? Where did that end? Well, they had um, Palpatine was kidnapped. So they showed that happen. Because as you know, at the beginning of episode three, Palpatine's been kidnapped and he's being held captive. So they showed you how the Jedi let the Chancellor slip through their fingers and how he fell into the arms of the Separatists. And what was great about it is that you would get these little hints that Palpatine was orchestrating the whole situation. So it's definitely worthwhile to go back and watch those Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars episodes. You can find them on YouTube. It's pretty easy. I think some people have even 
stitch them all together so they flow like one just long animated film, which is sort of how I've always looked at that series. But when Lucasfilm then decided to take complete ownership of the Clone Wars and George became the top creative, then it evolved into the Clone Wars series and Lucasfilm put the Gendy series on the shelf, essentially, or probably even a better way to to put it would be they, they put it in the vault like Disney used to, but they put it in the vault where they house the holiday special. It has that status, the forgotten status. And you know what else used to be in that vault was the vintage Marvel Comics series run from 77 to 85. Mm. That was in that vault and forgotten about. But I think somebody has pulled that out of the vault because we're seeing Marvel Comics continue with issue 108, which continues the original vintage Marvel Comics oh, run. Oh, really? Yeah, that's oh, happening. Oh, I didn't know that. That's happening. And you know who the <laughs> you know, all right all right I've let him loose excited. I've <laughs> let him loose Bill saw it, he saw me get real excited about oh, this because I straightening up in his chair he's, because I thought you knew about this so I, I did I'm, not I'm happy I can tell you about it but so they're putting out this issue it's coming out soon Marvel 108 is it in the style of that they're not going back to the simple think so I do not think that that's the case. I mean, I say it's simple. We didn't we didn't really think it was then, but it you look at it compared to the comics. That but maybe it is. I'm trying now. to. I, I have a link here uh, to the uh, Marvel uh, website here, and uh, do you remember the final <laughs> Marvel issue had the? It was like Star Wars. It was like in multicolored. The logo was like an orange and blue or something hideous. They're all standing there smiling. I do. Yeah, I do. Now listen to how exciting this sounds, Bill. This comes out in just a couple of weeks, May 29th, Star Wars Marvel 108. A long time ago on a spinner rack, far, far away, Star Wars comics were a lot different than they are now, with wild and intricately plotted storylines. Marvel's historic original run introduced an array of unique heroes and villains to play alongside George Lucas's incredibly popular science fantasy characters. Um, Does that mean they're going to bring back some of those? Okay, this comic, so they, they original say, comic characters. Check it. They say this Legends era sequel to legendary comic book writer Archie Goodwin's Crimson Forever. Do you remember Crimson Forever? No. Okay, here's what made Crimson Forever a great vintage Marvel comic. Was that it the was, one with the cyborg? Do you remember that? No. I, we're slow down. Okay, slow down. Um. Marvel, it was issue number 50 of the original Marvel Comics line. So they celebrated that with a double issue. And it was written by Archie Goodwin, legendary comic book writer and uh, newspaper strip writer and guy who had uh, been involved with Star Wars comics quite a bit. I think, uh, did Archie even, I think he was the editor? Was he the editor of the comics for a while? I don't remember. But uh, Archie wrote this thing, The Crimson Forever. Which was interesting because it was released between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Jedi. And it featured a Han Solo flashback story about this disease. People would get to turn their eyes red and stuff. And it was just, it was crazy. And um, so it was a multi-part thing in this book where flashback and then flash forward. And uh, it was 
a big deal because I thought it was a big deal because the comic was available at newsstands where you wouldn't normally typically see comic books. It was outside the spinner, you know, and it was more expensive than your normal comic too, but it was showing up in like supermarkets and places where I typically wouldn't find comic books as a kid. Huh. It was it was like a wider circulated comic book than usual. Okay, but it was still it was like an same. event. It was the same format. Yeah, I mean yeah. aesthetically, it yes, was like yes. another issue. Yes, but that was a classic story, and so they're going to continue that story. Oh, cool! Legends era sequel. So that means it's strictly non-canon, right? But it would almost have to be. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, it's because all here's the lineup. Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, 3PO, and R2 with Jackson. Oh, they're bringing Jackson back. Amazia Foxtrain, Domina Tag, and Valance the Hunter in a life galaxy threatening, nostalgic roller coaster. Strap yourselves in. So, yes, the Hunter is back. The cyborg. That's the cyborg. The Hunter, yeah. Valance. One of the greatest issues of the original Marvel Comics run happened in Marvel number 29, which featured a showdown between Darth Vader and Valance the Hunter, who was a cyborg. And it's one of my all-time favorite comic book issues of anything. And one of the great covers of all time. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, with Vader. and they're like, on the, Got him in a chokehold. And... No, no, no. They're yeah. on a... Oh, I don't remember. No, there's Maybe like... You're right, yeah. Hold on, I, I can pull it up here. They're, they're mid-battle. I'm gonna and you can see the guy's bionics. Oh, oh yes, stuff. chokehold. Vader is holding him over this pier that yeah, is, uh, you know, there's this acidic lava-like ocean. If the ocean can eat away at anything, then why is the pier made of wood? That's a good question for you. Hey, it was the 70s. Anything goes, man. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, so in, in Valance the Hunter, the cyborg is blasting Vader, and Vader has got him in a chokehold with a saber raised over his head, and uh, Dark Encounter is the name of the comic. And all of those Marvels have been designated as legend, legends era, which means non-canon anyway. So, But at least, like I said, they're not forgotten like they used to be. They, they're not put away into that holiday special vault. It was kind of refreshing to see in the Star Wars Celebration store here in Chicago last month that they had actual holiday special merch with the holiday special lunchbox, which I was able to purchase today because, as I said, the Star Wars Celebration store went online today for badge holders only. Now the the main image on that box is Boba Fett with the with the pitchfork, right? Yeah, I think so. So that was you think that that's pretty much done to tie in with the Mandalorian, right? Cuz the Mandalorian right. has they you they might be onto something there, yeah. Yeah. I, that's my guess. Because they they equipped him with that that pitchfork. Right. Although it's not right, Boba right. Fett, I guess, right? But So now they're so. desperate to try to bring it back in the canon status somehow. But they got to bring back the whole holiday special, it, you know, legitimately speaking. The whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. You know, we don't need the whole thing, do we? You know, Harvey Corman. Starship and all that. Art Carney. Yes, why not? You know, everyone keeps remember, telling us it's a Do you remember I universe. came over and I had that Jefferson Starship song on my phone and I was playing it for you and you're 
She just had this look on her face. What the what the hell is this? What is this? Stop. Wait, what? I know this song. No, 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 no. Now we're not going to hear it. That's if you keep talking about it. Cue you, it up. Yeah. Well, when we work in an audio based format, and you start making reference to other audio, I feel compelled to then play that audio and i am not going to subject our listening audience to the jefferson starship tune that they <laughs> jammed on in the holiday special but like i said it's, it's refreshing to see some of those holiday special elements coming back into play just like with the uh the original vintage marvel run so i'll be uh looking for that comic book hitting shelves on the 29th of uh this month so you know i didn't read this uh description Amazia Foxtrain. Now, she was one of the uh, eight against uh, Aduba, the Aduba Eight. Remember them? Uh, the uh, no, eight I, against the world. I don't. It was actually Star Wars number eight. Eight against the world. And um, so it was sort of like this uh, Magnificent Seven story with oh, Han. Yeah. J- Jackson was part yeah. of that crew. That kind of has a Guardians uh, vibe to yeah. it, that cover. Hey, how about that? I never <laughs> thought of that. With Guardians being so... I mean, yeah. yeah, it does have a Guardians vibe. You got Don Juan Quixote, the nut job who thought he was a Jedi and somehow acquired a lightsaber. The Starkiller Kid with his droid Effie. <laughs> and then there's a Maisie Fox train there in the back. And... Uh, who else? Oh, that one guy, he was like a porcupine. He could shoot his quills at you. So yeah, very very much a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe yeah. from uh, the is that old... Chewie in the back. Yeah, that's Chewie. So he's kind of like Drax. Yeah. Kind of in this uh, depiction. This is clearly Carmine really Infantino art here, <laughs> issue number eight of Star Wars, uh, the classic from nineteen. Yeah. Well, they're all archetypes, you know. I mean, that's what yeah. the Guardians oh, is. Yeah. You can see it better now. Ah. See, look, Star Killer Kid, Jackson, <laughs> Don Juan Quixote. Han Solo, Chewie, um, that guy, his name was like Jaquil or something like that. <laughs> and then there's Amazia, Foxtrain, and Effie the Droid. Is that eight? That's One, two, three, four, cover. five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's eight. I, I always wanted action figures of these guys, too. Even Jackson. Did you ever try to customize? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. But that would be kind of fun. It's possible that it could be. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. But yeah, the uh, eight for a Duba three. That's a good one, man. That's a good Marvel book. Check it out. This stuff is so easy to get now with uh, the Marvel app. You can purchase these old copies digitally for like two bucks a piece, or just get the Marvel Unlimited app and uh, you get everything. <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing. You can get it all right there on your iPad or on your laptop, however you want to read comics. Now, I, I feel like I've thrown you off here, though. Did you did you fully answer Luca's question about the Clone Wars? Because we, okay, we went to well, the Gendy thing. So, yeah, the... well, yeah, you're right, you're right. We went to Gendy and so... Just because Swank isn't here doesn't mean uh, we're not going to go off on tangents ourselves. (laughs) I like tangents. I think I'm the one mostly responsible for said tangents to happen on the show anyway, so it makes sense that we'll continue that tradition without Swank around. But Luca wants to know what would be the best way. Obviously, we need to see some resolution to the Ahsoka estrangement from the Jedi Order, and we've been giving... 
hints and clues that that will happen in some sort of way. We know that they will collaborate. Ahsoka also will have to collaborate with the Mandalorians, with the uh, anti-Death Watch faction that Bo-Katan is a part of. The uh, I want to call them like Satine loyalists, maybe. I don't know what to call them, but... Um, that's the uh, I think Satine called them the true Mandalore, but the Death Watch is still out there, and they've been consolidated by Darth Maul into this uh, this um, criminal syndicate that has representation from all sort of different groups, which obviously is a precursor to the Crimson Dawn that uh, is in existence in the Solo film, but we're not quite there yet. So you need to see some of that. Um, I wanted to see Boba Fett, but I don't think we're going to see Boba Fett in these episodes. I wanted to see Boba Fett reclaim ownership of the Slave One, because the last time we saw the Slave One, it was in the hands of Hondo Onaka. So I want to see Boba Fett reclaim that ship. Loose ends like that are the things that I want to see happen in the Clone Wars. Um, But, yeah, most importantly would have to be Ahsoka coming to some sort of resolution with the Jedi and how all that went down. What do you think? Do you think Ahsoka might get taken back into the Jedi Order? only then to have to escape Order 66. Or she was just never targeted no, for Order I don't 66 think so. because I don't think she left be. the Order. I think she's she'll be much more uh, effective and useful as a character being on the outside of the Order. Bringing her back in the Order kind of undoes, uh, undoes what they did with her character, which was having her leave. You know, so what, yeah. and they got to drum up more reasons for her to leave again. You know, it's just I think there's so much more interesting things to do with her being on the outside. I mean, she she's going to have a unique perspective because she knows I, the Jedi and she knows their inner workings, you know, so she'll she'll have uh, a much more informed opinion on what's going on. I think that could be used in a, a very uh, cool way. I believe there could be a situation where the Jedi believe Ahsoka is dead mm-hmm. by the time the Clone Wars is coming to an end. That could be, yeah. Um, she could be involved in something. Um, she's definitely going to be interacting with Jedi Knights in these episodes, these 12 episodes that are going to be coming out. So, yeah, it, I think it could be something like that where – like with that clone trooper Gregor, where they thought he was lost in that big explosion, um, it could be a, a similar situation for Ahsoka from the Jedi perspective. And nobody has time to go investigate whether or not she survives because of the rapid pace of the Clone War and because maybe Palpatine gets kidnapped and they have to address that. And so they don't have time and they just assume Ahsoka's dead, maybe. I don't know. That's pure speculation. That's not what I want to see necessarily. Mm-hmm. But along those lines, something that defines where Ahsoka stood with the Order by the time Revenge of the Sith started. And what were Ahsoka's whereabouts at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith? Mm-hmm. Because that was always a big sticking point with fans when Ahsoka was introduced. 
Well, Anakin doesn't have a Padawan. He didn't have one in Revenge of the Sith. That's what everyone says. So you have to leave the pieces on the playing on the on the playing board, you know, on the game board in 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 such a place where it all adds up. And I do want to see this version of the Clone Wars take you right up to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. That's what I said last week. What about you? Well, I am mostly interested in <clears throat> I, mean, I I am interested in those things that you mentioned, Ahsoka certainly. Um I I I, I just I want to see more of that triangle of Obi-Wan, Anakin, Palpatine. Just kind of those dynamics because I think that that's ultimately the heart of the whole story is that duplicity of Anakin. I'd like to see that. Um, I mean, they can't fully explore it yet. No. Um, but I, I'd like to see that set up. More of Palpatine sort of well, extending the net. Yeah, and, 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 and illustrating more of Anakin's capacity to end up doing what he did and, and, and establishing more of the friendship with him and Obi-Wan. Um, I, I just I find that very interesting because he's just he's he is so duplicitous and um, I I don't believe that that came out of nowhere and I I just like to see them explore that a little bit more. Okay, um, yeah, more more of yeah Palpatine extending his influence on the Anakin, yeah, luring just, Anakin, conditioning Anakin, yeah, a little more of that kind of stuff. Well, that's cool. So that's what we'd like to see. Um, uh, we'll we'll try to ask Swank next week when he returns, uh, and, and maybe we'll break down that trailer finally. Me and Jason, we've been wanting to do that for the last few weeks. So uh, thank you so much, Luca from London, and I want to thank everyone who uh, left us a voicemail. I, I want you to know that all voicemail this week are from our our Patreon members. We are only playing voicemail this week from members of the RFR Patreon community. And you can and should join RFR on Patreon for exclusive RFR programming and shows like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Q&A. You get early bird opportunities to listen to new episodes before anyone else. And we have a growing remastered archive of Clone Wars Declassified shows there. So they're all in perfect order and uh, can be listened as you rewatch Clone Wars and get yourself primed for the return of that show on Disney+. Plus. Date TBD. Uh, we're still kind of, you know, holding out... Uh, we don't know when Clone Wars is going to end up on Disney+. And it's off Netflix now, which is a bummer. But, uh, you know, I'll be jumping on board with Disney+, Plus when that launches. And I certainly hope that every episode of The Clone Wars will be available there shortly after it launches. Because, like I said, right now we don't have any streaming access to the episodes. And it would be nice to regain that convenience. So uh, you can rewatch, but hey, in my opinion, the best way to rewatch the Clone Wars is to do it on Blu-ray. That's the highest quality. So rewatch Clone Wars, listen to Clone Wars Declassified only at 
RFR on Patreon. Plus, we have tons of exclusives. You get access to a private RSS code that delivers RFR audio to your podcast catcher of choice. It only takes a dollar to join, and you can customize your membership with several tiers to choose from. Patreon members help keep RFR alive and well. We're very thankful for the support we get from our Patreon community. Billy Mack, you uh, receive all the audio uh, from Patreon. What, what do you like best about RFR on Patreon? Rush Hour. <laughs> Rush Hour. Yeah, Rush Hour is my favorite show. Now, Rush Hour, it's pretty much a monthly show now. Um, but that is a great show where we get to ride shotgun with Jason as he commutes home from downtown Cleveland to uh, his home about an hour away. So uh, he kills time with us, and uh, it's just sort of a anything goes kind of conversation. There's never any real set uh, uh, directive we have. We just talk, and it could be about Star Wars, could be about anything else. That's why we say the show is Star Wars, etc. And uh, that's uh, RFR Rush Hour. I think a lot of people would agree with you. They like. RFR Rush Hour a lot, too. Plus, we release uh, vintage stuff from the vault, uh, rare audio, and uh, so much more. So that's RFR on Patreon. If you don't believe me, let's hear from RFR patron Peter. Take it away, Pete. This is Peter Beiser from Media, Pennsylvania. I like being a patron because it's a great way to easily give feedback to Jason and Jimmy about RFR. I head to the comments section when a new episode appears, and it usually drops early for patrons. What did I like? What did I think? The guys are always quick to answer, which makes it totally worth it for me. I'm not a social media type of person, so it's always nice to engage with other like-minded fans here as well. More importantly, if tossing a few bucks into the hat monthly means this show will go on, count me in. I have good news for you, my lord. That's... Good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right. As everyone knows, new Star Wars trilogy is coming, starting in 2022. Bob Iger did announce there would be a hiatus as far as Star Wars film releases go, and he is staying true to that word. So after Episode Nine wraps up its theatrical release, it'll be about three years until we see the next Star Wars film, an all-new, brand-new trilogy. Uh, they've left us kind of hanging without any real information. It was just a press release last week that sort of broke it all down, how they were going to restructure the Disney Corporation release schedule going up through the year 2027 with Star Wars and Avatar flip-flopping December months starting uh, with Avatar first in 2021. So we didn't get really much information, though, in that press release outside of release dates and confirmation that a new Star Wars trilogy is in the works. So that left a lot of people scratching their heads because, of course, we heard that Benioff and Weiss, the guys from Game of Thrones, um, they were promised a series of films. That's the wording that was used in the press release when they were first brought on board. And, of course, uh, notoriously, Ryan Johnson, it was announced that he was going to have carte blanche to write and direct his own Star Wars trilogy. And that announcement was made in November 2017, before The Last Jedi hit theaters. As we noted here on this show over and over again, how is a hiatus going to take place with two 
potential trilogies in the works. Now, keep in mind the Benioff and Weiss thing that was announced as a series of films, not a trilogy necessarily. But uh, with this announcement last week, this press release stating three Star Wars films were in the works, you have to assume that this is a trilogy situation here. But that's all we were left to was assumptions and confusion because one we're, we're, we're getting this mixed message from Disney slash Lucasfilm as far as how they're going to progress with these films. So I started speculating, well, there's going to be one trilogy produced by Benioff and Weiss and potentially directed by Ryan Johnson. But because the paperwork hasn't been cleared on all of this and the 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 T hasn't been crossed and the I hasn't been dotted, most likely on Ryan Johnson's end of things, that uh, they, they, they can't make any sort of announcement about who's going to be directing this next trilogy of Star Wars films. So Bob Iger this week makes his first public statements regarding the next Star Wars trilogy. This is information that we've been wanting. It's not much, but he does talk about it. So this is Bob Iger, of course, chairman and CEO of that crazy Disney company. He participated in a Q&A session at the 6th Annual Moffitt Nathanson Media Communications Summit. And, of course, the RFR microphones were there. So uh, let's uh, hear from the man himself, Bob Iger, as he discusses the future of Star Wars with Moffitt Nathanson Media and Communications. When we finished 9, so we will have done 7, 8, and 9, and then we did Solo and we did Rogue One. So we've done 9 will be the fifth Star Wars movie produced and released since we bought Lucasfilm in 2012. Um, it's our feeling that we've done a good job with those, um, and we've, 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 I haven't seen nine finished yet, but I'm confident based on the pieces that I've seen and the script that I read that it's going to be extremely popular, that it would be smart for us to take a bit of a hiatus while we figure out what's next. Now, we're not going to wait until nine is released and then start figuring out. We're actually hard at work doing that already. And the conclusion that we reached is that about uh, three years was a, 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 the proper amount of time to not only take a breather and reset, but to really gear up for the next film's release. Right. And we did a deal with um, David Benioff and, and D.B. Weiss, Dan Weiss, uh, who are famous for Game of Thrones, and the next movie that we release will be theirs. And we're not saying anything more about that. All right. So, confirming... The next film is going to be Benioff and Weiss. But that's it. So no talk about a trilogy. Nothing like that. Did you sense a little little nervousness? I did. Yeah, yeah. Did um, you, and when he said we thought three years would, I, 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 you know, there was a bit of a little little stutter there. Well, it's I think not he's a, a little little unsure about that. You know, Bob Iger seems like he he speaks in a, a very black and white language a lot of times, and um, I found it interesting when he said, "You know, we've released five films in the period, and we th- we think we've done a pretty good job." Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's an acknowledgement to the criticism, right there. 
when he says we think mm-hmm. that's him acknowledging that yeah there's 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 a lot in there to decode i think yeah. you're absolutely right about that yeah that's bob acknowledging the criticisms of star wars when he says we think we did a good job you know as opposed to and they've all been great <laughs> you know everyone knows right. we, which is something you could potentially say about the last two avengers films for sure you know those are great films and i think the Russo brothers or Marvel Studios or Kevin Feige, when he references those films, he will be speaking from an air of confidence. Yeah, triumph. You, I, you can you can actually. I mean, God, you wouldn't think. And I think I'm. I think you're you're right about that. And you wouldn't think that somebody of such high a high position as, as Bob Iger would would feel a little little nervous but you you can tell yeah when he talks about the five films and then he goes in this introducing a new strategy going forward and you could you can sense there's right. some uncertainty there about you're that. right let's hear it again conclusion that we reached is that uh, that three years was a, 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 a the proper amount of time right there you hear all the hesitation the right there <laughs> yes i do your honor that three years was a, 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 a the proper amount of yeah, time see? to not only take a right. you hear that I just I think that that he knows it's just an area of uncertainty. Now, I mean, like I said, the, the RFR microphones were there. Okay, so yeah. all we have is the audio to to base this off of. I mean, to jump to you, you don't know what they were doing when they when they were true. Talking. I mean, they it's might true. have been getting like back, no, I have no idea. They I'm could just have been like you getting what my impression is they could have been getting back massages, right. and right at that moment, yeah. you know, they were working ah, on a knot right for there. him, and he was just like. <laughs> You know, you can hear him work oh, the yeah. knot is like a... We're just assuming things. Yeah, I, well, I'm just... that's I'm picking up on that. That's what I'm hearing. I could be wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but I, it is, you know, I mean, they've got to be uh, concerned and thinking about that. I mean, it is a different approach, a new, new strategy. I'm not saying that he's... Uh, writing the series off or anything about that but i think he knows that fans are listening very intently and and judging him for this and it's you know you don't make these decisions lightly when you got when you got star wars at your fingertips that's right that's what we've been saying <laughs> so um notable that yes it is true ryan johnson's name was not brought up but he was clear there that he said that's all we're we're going to talk about right now. That's it. You know why that's it? Because Johnson's still in the mix. They just haven't reached an agreement with him yet. They're trying to hammer this all out. Although now, are these Game of Thrones guys? Are they directors? No, they're they don't, not they, directors, and they don't direct their show. They They've just directed three episodes of Game of Thrones. The, the two episodes in earlier seasons, and the series finale, which debuts this Sunday, is directed by Benioff and Weiss. So I think people are going to be watching that episode very closely. But, you know, Benioff and Weiss, they've done other things outside of uh, Game of Thrones. Well, I just ask because, I mean, do you agree, unless Ryan Johnson is directing, he's not going to be involved? Well, you know... um, I just well, if this is a trilogy, then he's not going to be involved in that aspect, at least for the first film. They could be boiling things down. Maybe Benioff and Weiss aren't getting a series of films. Maybe they're getting one film. Show us what you can do. So they're probably under this directive to 
whatever movie they put out there, they might be under this directive to make sure that movie has a beginning, a middle, and an end with potential for sequel. As the creative element, but you're talking directing too? Or would they have a different director? What do you think? I think the possibility is great that they'll have a different director outside of the Benioff and Weiss duo. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think the uh, that's very strong because Benioff and Weiss are primarily known as writer-producers, okay? Uh, David Benioff has two directing credits to his name. The uh, Well, the three episodes of Game of Thrones that I mentioned that he co-directed and uh, something called When the Nines Roll Over, a short from... 2006, which is something he probably entered into like uh, various film competitions and uh, film festivals Mm -hmm. and and whatnot. And so the other guy is D.B. Weiss, writer of Game of Thrones, also producer and director. But his directorial credits are even less than that of his counterpart, David Benioff, who at least directed that short. Uh, The only thing that D.B. Weiss has ever directed are these three episodes of Game of Thrones. So, I, you know, they, they have no theatrical experience as directors. Um, I think Game of Thrones would have them pretty well prepared because those seem like mini movies each and every episode. But uh, film production is a much bigger thing. I really don't know if, if those are the guys who are going to be directing the next film. He said it's their film. Specifically. But that doesn't mean they're directing it. I think that Ryan Johnson could definitely be in the mix if this is a trilogy if not i think this is just a tryout for benioff and weiss let's see what you can do if you can give us a story that warrants a trilogy situation or warrants multiple films to tell a single story then you have to prove it in the first movie yeah I, that's, I guess. that's how i think they're gonna look at it because that's the way <laughs> filmmaking traditionally has always been oh, yeah. it's not like it's not like uh, you're, anyone you're only as good up. as your last movie Let's lucas see. would never signed up to do anything more than a single film he's the one who always thought about the potential of doing sequels he wanted to do more than one movie but he knew that star wars had massive potential to fail and if that happened he still wanted to be able to do his sequel but so he commissioned alan dean foster to write something that could potentially be a tv movie and that's how splinter of the mind's eye was born that was never intended to be a major motion picture follow-up to Star Wars, but if push came to shove, it would be adapted into a television screenplay for a movie of the week or whatever. Lucas would desperately try to keep Star Wars alive. He didn't need to go down that path, obviously. Everyone knew there was going to be another Star Wars film after opening weekend back in May 1977. It was a done deal. But you had to prove yourself. You had to create something that would endure and draw a box office. And, you know, eh, critical acclaim, that's always something that's more, uh, you know. Esoteric. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to, to get that box office commercial appeal and uh, enduring story and characters, that's what Star Wars succeeded in doing. But it's not automatic. 
And a lot of these franchises treat it like it's supposed to be automatic. Notice we didn't have a Godzilla 2 after uh, the, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. Well, there's happened. a Godzilla movie coming up There's soon. always a Godzilla that, movie coming up. Is, that's but not I think a sequel? They were, they were minute, trying, that's not a sequel? They I were, saw the trailer no, for that the other night. They were night. trying to establish a specific franchise. I'm talking specifically about the Gareth Edwards Godzilla that was critically panned. It didn't get the box office it was expected to get. And people just simply didn't like it. Now, if you liked it out there in listener land, I'm, I'm not going to shame you for liking that film. I thought there were things about that movie that were cool to see. I loved watching the Hilton Hawaiian Village on Waikiki Beach and Honolulu get trashed by uh, Godzilla. Yep. That was fun. My parents took us there when we were kids, and they still go there now. So I tell them, look out for Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla it scares the crap out of these old folks. But I, that movie was created to establish a Godzilla franchise in the States, a high-budget film series. And it it didn't warrant that kind of... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of Transformers, you know? Right. But that well, Godzilla didn't work. So, Neither did the one in 1998. And, and yeah, there's another one on there, right? There's yeah. always a Godzilla movie that's going to be happening. You, you don't have to worry about that. But to establish an ongoing franchise with the same actors, the same crew, the same directors, and all of that, that's what I think the goal was for that Godzilla, the Gareth Edwards one. Well, that's why I'm wondering, like, what the structure of these new movies are from, like, who's in charge point of view. Because you've got Kathleen Kennedy, obviously, overseeing it all. I mean, she's got a lot of pull. You've got these uh, Game of Thrones guys. And if they're not directors, and let's just say, theoretically, they throw Ryan Johnson into the mix, who's a creative guy on his own. Um, I mean, who who... Is that that just I don't know that seems like an unusual yeah. is that yeah it's too it, many cooks uh, yes. spoiling the broth yes. there or it is that or does be. that happen more than I think it does it could be it could be or it could be an incredible collaboration you just don't know yeah I think uh, in this day and age I, I think Ryan was promised one thing a trilogy that he can write and direct. And I think he planted seeds in The Last Jedi that would eventually come to fruition in the trilogy. But Ryan's known for a while that his trilogy has been put on the back burner. That's why he accepted the Knives Out gig. Knives Out, which is his next film that comes out this November. Why did he accept that gig? Ryan signed on to that gig in summer 2018. About nine months after it was announced that he is going to be helming the next Star Wars trilogy. Why would he accept the Knives Out gig then? It's because he was told, hey, you know that trilogy we uh, made that announcement about? Remember that? Remember that, Ryan? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've already, We're going I've been, I've been, me and Ron Bergman have been busting our skulls working on this thing. I can't wait to jump in on it. I'm, I'm drinking coffee all the time. I'm going nuts. Well, um... um Bob Iger said we can't do it. So um, we're fighting for you, pal. But um, we don't know what we're going to do. We're going in a different direction. But Bob said we can do it. But we're going to still try. We're going to push it through for you. We really want you to work on Star Wars. So it could be possible that Ryan, via his goodwill, will slide into maybe a streaming series. Maybe his 
the stuff he had been developing for the next trilogy could be adapted into a streaming series. Or um, maybe the Benioff and Weiss film will not go over well, and then they'll call Ryan in and say, all right, you're up next. You got next. Yeah. Um, I, just, I mean, I could imagine <clears throat> they feel that way because it's been a tightrope act with almost all of their directors except for J.J. Abrams because he's J.J. Abrams. Everyone else has, has presented controversy, has gotten fired, has gotten replaced, secretly replaced. Um, uh, you know, there's just been or very publicly fired, you know. I think they should stick maybe more with a Ron Howard type or um, get guys who really have a lot of experience in that realm of huge, big-budget films based on franchises, like the Russo brothers. I think the Russo brothers would be prime candidates. Consider them for a Star Wars film. And stop trying to create series and trilogies and stuff. And just put the films out there and see if they have the legs to provide that potential for an ongoing story that will spread over multiple films. Prove yourself. George Lucas had to. So I'd like to see these new filmmakers prove themselves before they get granted these trilogies with, you know, with no restrictions at all. Whatever you want to fart out your ass, we'll make into a Star Wars film. No, that's not how to do it. Mm -mm. That is not how to do it. So Iger is pulled on the reins a little. Or as Jason says, Iger's the dad who finally <laughs> opened the basement door and flipped the lights on to see what the kids downstairs were doing. <laughs> and when he saw, he lost his crap. I think there is a lot of... I, I, people are all writing Ryan Johnson off. I think that's unfair. I think he's still in the mix. I think we will be getting more Star Wars from Ryan Johnson, if provided, if he is not put off by the fact that it was very publicly announced that he would be getting a trilogy and now he's not going to get that trilogy. Because it's clear he's not getting that trilogy. That press release from November 2017 announcing Ryan Johnson's going to be directing and writing his own Star Wars trilogy with, with Ron Bergman producing, you can just throw that away. That's non-canon. <laughs> that press release is non-canon at this point. Also the press release about Benioff and Weiss being granted a series of films. That's non-canon. They're getting one film. And if that fails, then... Ah, but they announced three films. Here's... See, I hate this. I hate that they announce films when they have no film. You know, they announce release dates <laughs> for films when they don't have a film. They've been doing this constantly. Ever since George signed those papers in 2012, they have been announcing films when they don't have films. They don't have ideas. They don't have scripts. They, they own the property. That's what they have. But they just think it's all going to put itself together. It's all done to make you look ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm not a man in my position. <laughs> Can't afford to look ridiculous. All right. All right. So, Billy Mac, um, would you like to jump on board with speculation about maybe what era in the timeline the Benioff and Weiss films are going to be a part of? I, I mean, do you have any any guesses? Any? No, no, I don't because it just it seems completely wide open. It's this seems to me like a blank slate. 
I, I, it seems like uh, there's a, a very large uh, uh, group of, of fans that want to see them go to the old Republic. Yes. Uh, I, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I don't mean to knock on anybody who's into that. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know anything about it. Um, it's, it's a completely different world and era as, as far as I'm concerned. I would like to see them stick a little closer to home. I mean, that's just my general attitude about it, but, um, I, I can't imagine what era. I, I really just feel like it's totally up for grabs and I have nothing to really inform a guess. I just I, I can only tell you what I would like to see. Okay, well tell me that. I would like to see something that follows this trilogy, I think. Oh. Because I just I think that this trilogy will probably leave them in a position where building a story will make a lot of sense. I think you will we'll probably see the end of the first order in some way. So um I don't know. That just seems like that that's gonna leave them uh, like the original trilogy with with a lot of fertile ground. So, And how would you incorporate then the characters from this current trilogy? And I'm talking about Finn, Ray, and Poe, Rose, and all of them. I mean, how how would they move into then the future with, with these? Or would they? Um, at this point, I, I don't foresee them... Uh, Moving forward, I mean, like what is like the main characters, or they show up later in the story? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not picturing that right now. Um, I'm, I'm seeing new characters. I just. Yeah. It seems like that's what they want to do: is start with new characters, clean cut. I, I think. So. Yeah. So it probably does make more sense for this to be beyond episode nine. Stories told in the universe post. The First Order. Yeah. And maybe, you know, come up with a legitimate antagonist that is unique and new and fresh. Yeah. As opposed to an Empire retread. You know, maybe there'll be some kind of uh, structure, some kind of rules established at the end of this trilogy. I bet you. I bet you there will be. I mean, all this speculation about, you know, Skywalker uh, as an idea replacing Jedi. A trilogy that follows this one could could take place, you know, 100 years in the future and be very much informed by the stories that we know in terms of, yeah, the rules they establish. Maybe there'll be some kind of structure, governmental, spiritual, that will be allowed to evolve into another series. That's what you foresee them doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it just seems like they're that yeah, makes going to start anew. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. And I think there's fertile ground for that in the films. But I think in the streaming series is where you can go back and address characters and situations and flesh them out a little bit further, like they're going to be doing with The Mandalorian, we're going to be doing it with the Cassian Andor streaming series. And uh, let's hear what Iger had to say in this uh, summit earlier this week about the future of Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. We are producing two live-action Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. One of them is called The Mandalorian, which is being supervised by Jon Favreau. And the other one is a bit of a prequel to Rogue One. And my guess is there probably will be one more, at least one more live action series that we produce 
before Disney Plus, meaning a Star Wars series, before we release the next film. So we're not necessarily doing, we're not doing nothing. Right. I, I believe that these films will be, these, sorry, these um, TV series will be extremely popular for Star Wars fans and very, very valuable for Disney Plus while we gear up for the next set of films. So that's Star Wars. And we haven't said anything more beyond what we've announced as the next film. Okay. And we haven't given much detail about that. That is true. <laughs> we were just talking about that, Bob. You haven't. Mum's the word. So he says there's most likely going to be a third streaming series made available prior to the release of the next film, the next Star Wars film. So in the downtime between episode nine and the next film, the Benioff and Weiss film, you're going to get three streaming series there, three seasons of a streaming series or, or three, you know, probably more seasons than that for crying out loud. If the Mandalorian is going to continue to a season two, which we've heard rumored, I don't think that's been officially uh, given the green light, but we've definitely heard rumor that that most likely is what's going to happen. Uh, there's the Cassie and Andor rogue one prequel series, which will also feature K two and, uh, that that one I think is going to be really great. I, I rewatched uh, Rogue One on May the fourth, on uh, Saturday, May the fourth. Um, they were streaming Star Wars films all day long on, uh, or streaming, broadcasting them on TNT, and uh, so I was uh, watching a lot of Star Wars and uh, caught Rogue One pretty much in its entirety. And what a great film that is! It just really captures the vibe of uh, the original trilogy, specifically A New Hope. It does a great job of capturing that vibe. So I'm looking forward to the Cassie and Andor show. I, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, why are they doing Andor? Nobody's asked for that. Yeah, but you know what? You might be not asking for it, but you don't recognize how much you need that one. Rogue One is a great, great film. And that's because I, I don't, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel in that film. And I, that's why I think it goes over so well. Great characters, too. But um, I'm thinking, and I've been speculating for a long time, that the Kenobi standalone film that was strongly rumored this time a year ago, or two years ago even, going back, uh, that that was, that was in the works, a, a standalone Kenobi film. I think that's going to be adapted into a series, and they are going to get Ewan McGregor on board for it. I think he's already on board for it. I think it's just a matter of time before we get that announcement about the Kenobi streaming series. People are clamoring for Kenobi. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I would bet you it's probably it's probably a year and a half until you get Ewan McGregor with a schedule that's that allows yeah. for him to actually do this. That's perfect. Perfect timing. So, perfect timing. Could Definitely happen. I could see that little, you know, eight, ten episode uh, deal, you know. Any other Star Wars streaming series you'd like to see? I mean, everything has been rumored to be in development at this point, and everything probably is in development in some way, shape, or form at this point. But what Star Wars streaming series would you like to see? Tag and Bink. Tag and Bink, okay. Do a little uh, Star Wars Tales uh, skit uh, style. Okay, yeah. It could be like a sketch comedy show. yeah. I don't know. Maybe something back to the prequel era, just to kind of fill everything out. That would give you a little little taste of every era, pretty much. What about the series that George Lucas and Rick McCallum were developing? Oh, he had 70 episodes ready to go, right? Well, 50. I think it was 50 <laughs> on the shelf. 
that they have fleshed out story treatments for 50. He never said what that was supposed to be about, right? Rick McCallum indicated it was going to be about the underworld of Coruscant. And the working title for it was Star Wars Underworld. It was to be developed and produced alongside the video game Star Wars 1313, which featured a lot of activity that was happening in the lower levels of Coruscant. And potentially, I believe that's where Ahsoka Tano will find herself, according to what Dave Filoni That was was supposed to debut after Detours. This is all like an alternate (laughs) alternate universe of Star Wars entertainment that never was. That never was. Yeah, you know, George had said that he had suspended production, pre-production on his live action series. So we were looking at the potential of Clone Wars winding down and nothing else on the horizon except Star Wars detours. And that was that was a sure thing. That was greenlit, that was locked and loaded, and there are many complete episodes of that on the shelf. So uh, Seth Green said, yeah, there's nothing's ever happened like this in the history of everything (laughs) where you put so much work and complete so much of your work only to see it sit there and rot. I think it's timeless, which is the lucky thing. Like we, we created a show that's very funny and it fits into the Star Wars universe, but separate from canon. So. You know, I think it'll still work. It'll, it's, it's just people won't see it for a while. How weird to have 40 episodes or something just <laughs> sitting around. I know. It's really, <laughs> it's it really is, bizarre. It is a little strange. I don't think there's anything like that in the history of anything. I predict we'll see that summer 2020 on the Disney Plus streaming yeah. service. Once they get this Skywalker saga wrapped up, then then we're, they feel comfortable enough unleashing detours on us fans. So that's what's happening with Bob Iger getting us up to speed with his first public statements regarding the next Star Wars. You know, I opened this this story saying the next Star Wars trilogy, but as I listen closer to what Bob actually said, he's not confirming any sort of trilogy. He's really only saying one film is in the works, but we've attached release dates to two other films. We don't know what the hell we're doing. Mm. It has to be a trilogy. Come on. It has to be. They just don't want to commit. They don't want to commit. Yeah, three unrelated movies would it, se- well, seem impossible. like they... Yeah. Because I mean, you can't wait with that two-year window. Well, what, what do you... What, where's the anticipation? I mean, they, that's just... They got to know that just from a business sense. You know, you got to have movies that are... You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna stagger releases like that, they, they you got to give the people wanting more from a story... Right, going into the next one, you can't have three unrelated stories, just standalone movies. It's yeah. got to be a trilogy. It, it has to be. You're, you're right about that. It yeah. really has to be. They're not just going to be farting off these yeah. these one-off stories. Yeah, and they've already tried that. So, right, right. So, yeah, that's where I think it's it's happening. It's it's three films. It's a trilogy. It's all intertwined. Uh, Benioff and Weiss, they're the production team and the writing team behind it. But who's going to direct? Who is going to direct? Is it going to be Ryan Johnson? Is it going to be Ron Howard? Is it going to be George Lucas? Well, that'd be a twist. Yeah, sure, I'll come out of retirement. 
So Billy often wisely visited them on the Game of Thrones set. Really uh, good guys, and uh, it's got the fire-breathing dragons. It's cool. So, uh, Lucas, no. Uh, the potential of him in his mid-70s uh, coming out of retirement to uh, direct Star Wars films, uh, I, I think is... Although, you know, hey, look at Clint Eastwood, man. He's like almost 90. He puts out a movie every year. Holy crap. Yeah. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message, I'm the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. <laughs> Hey, Jason and Jimmy, this is Brian from Chicago. Um, just want to say first, it was great meeting you guys and hanging out with you at Celebration. Jimmy, you two at uh, Galloping Ghost and afterwards, and then at both the, the after parties and then also at Celebration. But what I'm calling for is asking how you guys are dealing with the post-Celebration. I wouldn't call it blues, but I would call it that I'm just still amped up from it like you guys said on rush hour it re, re not that it was ever gone but it reinvigorated my need for star wars content and it like you know i'm looking more forward to everything mandalorian and resistance coming back i know how you guys you know feel about that but it's just everything you know from the movies and then finding out today you know that what the new release schedule is but if you guys are doing anything different to quench this or is it just business as usual because i know star wars is Every day, and Star Wars is number one. But just wondering if you guys are uh, still feeling the after celebration high. So keep up the great work, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Well, I'll tell you what, Brian. I know Brian. Brian's awesome. He helped me out so much when we did our live from the South Side event. He helped uh, work the door. He was the doorman. Oh. He did an awesome job. He said, "What." Is there anything I can do to help you guys? And Because he was part of our crew. Like we said, we sort of put our crew together for the entire week at Galloping Ghost Arcade on Ogden um, the night before uh, load-in day for a Star Wars celebration. So on uh, the 9th, we uh, hung out at Galloping Ghost. And that's sort of when the crew all came together. And uh, Brian was definitely part of that crew, and I had a great time hanging out with him. And he's a he's a local guy, and um, awesome to hang with. But he's asking how we're dealing with post celebration blues. He said he wouldn't call it the blues, and I wouldn't either because it was. I felt it was a really invigorating experience the whole week. I had a great time. You know, a lot has been said about Star Wars fans and. These guys are toxic. Those guys are toxic. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of crap is flying around. So I was a little concerned about the gathering of the tribes and how that would all go down. But everyone just wanted to have the most fulfilling experience for their Star Wars fandom. And I, I think uh, I've not heard any reports about anything going down at Star Wars Celebration. To me, it was the exact opposite. It really had a fantastic vibe. Being here in Chicago was unbelievable. It was so great. And it did. It reinvigorated my need for Star Wars content. I am looking forward to The Mandalorian. And Resistance is fine, but, I mean, it's it's not, you know, top-tier stuff. I think The Mandalorian will be. And uh, I'm looking forward to episode nine a great deal. It really got me pumped up, and it really made me feel good. The whole, 
the whole five days was just a feel good. And I wasn't sure going into it, A, I had told friends, you know, if this event wasn't in Chicago, I might be sitting out celebration this time. Just because of the way that the, the you know, fans have been acting and, and just everything, everything. But, you know, it was those anxieties were quickly swept aside. Once we hit that convention floor and started hanging out with friends and other fans, and it was just awesome. And so, like Brian, I'm missing it. It has really pumped me up on a Star Wars level. I've been spending more time with my collection. I've been spending more time working on Rebel Force Radio. I've been spending more time watching Star Wars content, taking in content, uh, audiobooks. The StarWars.com live stream from Star Wars Celebration is a great way to dip your toe back into that experience and sort of relive the uh, feel-goods from that week. And that's what I'm all about right now. I feel uh, pretty pretty damn comfortable uh, with my, my fandom, my spot in fandom, and my overall passion for Star Wars remains as strong as it ever has. So the event like Star Wars Celebration Chicago did nothing but reinforce all of that big time, big time. What about you, Bill? You talked a little bit about the event earlier in the show and mm-hmm. how you sort of approached it maybe from a different perspective or different angle this time around um, where you felt like, I think you felt like more, you had more freedom and flexibility with this show than you've ever experienced before. I, in a sense, I, it wasn't as structured. I, I think in the past, I, I mean, there have been celebrations where I've had everything uh, scheduled out. out. Yeah, 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 like no, I'm going to hit these too. panels, I'm going to do this. And it was all it was all kind of structured to avoid the lines and uh you know get maximum uh coverage of the of the of the uh, experience at the show and i i would just say that my experience has shifted more towards um the people uh that i'm with and stuff more i i still like going um to the other things the panels and stuff like that but it's not as it's not as much of a focus but um to answer your question about uh how i'm dealing with the post celebrate uh, post blues is that what we're talking about the post the post convention blues um i i i just uh have been kind of following my uh bliss as they say I yeah think joseph campbell used to say that that's right um just uh yeah spending time with my collection and the things i enjoy and and uh uh um i i bought some things um that i i i'm sitting down and uh, uh restoring you know old vintage toys yes spent some time doing that but like i have a kind of a routine where i sit at a table and i'll i'll put on uh some um you know like a youtube video of the panel uh, that i didn't see mm-hmm. and uh, i'll sit and work on my restoration project and listen <laughs> or i'll put on one of the dvds with the commentary and you know i love i love doing stuff like that yeah um i my one purchase that i 
I, I didn't buy too, too much stuff there, but I, I did get a, a gentle giant jumbo vintage figure of uh, Luke <laughs> yes. Hoth. Yes. I don't have any of those, and I really just wanted one. And that was a figure that always um, that I always loved um, when the, when those first few waves of, of Empire figures came out in, in 1980 or whenever it was. So um, I, I did I did drop down on the gentle giant, giant Hoth Luke. So, and if you want to see that very and, moment. Check out oh, that's our right. video, Star Wars Celebration Show Floor Video Highlights. You can find it on the RFR YouTube channel, or you can find it on rebelforceradio.com in our news section. And that's a video that I shot on the show floor, and it features all kind of things, uh, cosplayers, tattoos, what have you. And uh, that's where I was there, that moment, Bill coughed up the big bucks to purchase the gentle giant Luke Skywalker big action figure. And he has it on display in his collection. He just handed me this picture right now. It looks pretty good. It's all Empire. It's all all vintage. You have the tall Luke with the regular size Luke right next to him. That provides um, quite the perspective. Then you have the Burger King Empire Strikes Back glasses along with a vintage Wampa. And then the Battle of Hoth Kenner playset, which you restored, yeah, with some Kenner action figures, uh, Rebel Hoth Rebel Trooper, Adat Driver, Snow Trooper, Rebel Commander, Vintage Han Hoth, and Vintage Leia Hoth, and there they all are, proudly displayed in Billy Max collection. Can we share this this photo? Or no? Yeah, no, are we, you your private. We can share that. Yeah, you want to put that on? I'll put it on Facebook, on Facebook or, or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed doing that, and uh, I just I take pleasure in some of the little things. Sometimes I bought a I bought a, a, a Return of the Jedi era Starlog magazine mm, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and so that's I good stuff. Yeah. Goof around with my collection at night I and uh, uh, read a little Starlog before bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I deal with the post. Fully immersed. <laughs> Fully immersive Star Wars celebration yeah. experience with Billy Mac. So that's that's probably the best way to keep it going is uh just uh you know maintain your passion and fandom all the time. It's always there with you. And then uh hit me up next time you want to go to Galloping Ghost and we'll hang and then we'll go to Brixie's and we'll have many beers and talk about Star Wars. So cuz that's kind of what I do. So that's a message for anyone listening, but specifically for Brian. He knows what I'm saying. Hey, Jimmy Mack and Billy Mack. Really excited to hear you guys talking on the show this week. Um, I'm interested in hearing some more discussion about Episode Nine, speculation on what might happen and speculation on the things that we saw in the teaser trailer. Um, I have my own kind of personal ideas about it that haven't been discussed too much. Um the big one, obviously, is, is Palpatine and how he's going to come back. Um, I like Paul Bateman's idea about the cloning. I think that would be cool, but I'm not sure they'll go there just because it kind of opens it up for anybody to come back at any time, which might kind of undermine uh, the story a little bit. Um, I think, you know, especially with the Clone Wars and, and with Rebels as well, we see that Palpatine is really able to tap into some really strange dark side magic. Um I'm thinking in particular of in the Lost episodes, which I guess we can't call season six anymore. Um, He and Dooku do this sort of like ritual over a basin, and they're able to intervene in Yoda's 
spiritual journey. So that was kind of interesting and strange. And, and then uh, in Rebels, that we haven't really talked about it that much, but when Ezra goes to the, the, the other side with the portals, I mean, how is Palpatine able to interact with the portals and send, you know, his energy out and, you know, attacking Ezra and, <laughs> and uh, you know, so obviously he's got some kind of connection with these portals. And so maybe that could be a way that, you know, he's able to go into the future somehow and, and you know, interact with Kylo Ren and with Rey, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, just interested to hear what you guys think about that kind of stuff. Um, also the planet at the beginning, the desert planet, uh, I wonder what you guys think about it being Jetta. I, I, I know that that's not a popular um idea and i think even in the dark in the in the marvel comics they might have shown the, that jetta was kind of splitting apart into two pieces so it might not even be a whole planet anymore but i think it would be cool to, to go to jetta to see those mountains again that were shaped like jedi anyway i'm going along so uh may the force be with you thanks guys bye all right well thank you so much for calling and uh laying down some of your thoughts about what could happen in episode nine uh, yeah, the Palpatine return is definitely one that is a head-scratcher, and we can start connecting the dots with other media, like animation, specifically Star Wars Rebels. But how do you explain that to the film audience? Well, you might have a way, but I don't think we're going to be seeing the portals, per se, or that weird, uh, in, you know, in-between... <laughs> the, 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 that the portals took Ezra into. I don't think we're going to be hearing the name Ezra uttered by any character in episode nine. I, I'm hard pressed to believe that anything, any concept, any idea or anything from star Wars rebels will cross over into episode nine, despite the fact that it is recently released material that expands the star Wars mythology. it's too hard to incorporate that into a film that is supposed to be tying up the previous nine films. Once you start throwing animated series into the works, then it's just (laughs) further complicating things. But I did hear rumor about a Ray. uh, This is a spoiler alert, potential spoiler alert. If you're one of those people who don't want to know any information about episode nine, I'm going to keep this as brief as possible. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I heard that during the duel, the big, huge, epic showdown climax of the film that's going to feature Ray and Kylo dueling it out, that somehow... They get transported to various environments that have significance on the saga on a whole. You could only guess what some of those environments would be. The first one that I thought of was Mustafar. I thought of Cloud City. Because remember, Ray was walking down the Cloud City corridor when she was having her force back. And everyone calls that a force back, and I've never liked that. You can listen to shows recorded around the time of the release of The Force Awakens and shortly thereafter, where I said I didn't think that she was experiencing flashbacks per se. I felt like she was seeing the future in that montage of visions 
that she was having. I predicted she was seeing the future in some of those visions. So to call it a force back never really sat well with me. But, you know, we'll see. However, in that force back, she is having that vision where she's walking down the Cloud City corridors. And we also know that that vision was edited to remove her having a vision of Luke and Vader having a saber duel. We even saw a behind-the-scenes photo of the actor who was hired to portray Luke. He looked like he had kind of a beer belly, too, which I hadn't <laughs> scratched in my head. But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, though, is the things that could tie into Episode Nine, And specifically this duel between Rey and Kylo that is supposed to transport them through these various environments that have significance on the saga. I mean, crap, they could be dueling on uh, in, the, in the, the dark side cave on Dagobah, for all we know. They could be dueling on the Death Star. Uh, all kind of different uh, flashbacks you can have. So that's uh, just something I heard. Bill, what, what do you think about that? Did you hear that rumor? Are you I have aware not. of that one? I have not. Uh-uh. So, it's interesting. But, I mean, that makes me think of those well, portals. D- but does that also tie into his question about the desert planet? Is that Tatoo- oh, okay, all right. well, Tatooine? Let's talk about that. that. A lot of people have speculated that that's Ray going through a training session with Kylo Ren assisting her. What, would, what the heck would you call that? Transporting to other worlds? Is there a yeah. word for that? Like while they're dueling, that they'll just like yeah. suddenly, well, all of a sudden, they're surrounded by. Well, if that rumor is true, that could be that could be part of it. That could be that could be one of the significant worlds that they get transported. All right. So to, when right? I look at the rise of the Jedi, or the rise of the Jedi, <clears throat> the rise of Skywalker, and am I the only person who wants to call it rise of the Skywalker, or is that just like a Chicago, Illinois thing? Yeah, rise of the Skywalker over Skywalker. there. Over there, you see the Skywalker over there. That's a, the, the it's the rise of the Skywalker. What do you want? <laughs> but so, um, <laughs> hey, you got the Skywalker, the Greedo, what have you? <laughs> Greedo. I don't think we're gonna be seeing Greedo in episode yeah, you nine. Got the hammerhead. I think uh, Greedo's story was wrapped up in episode four. <laughs> I think there's, there's no more story it. there to tell. I think George Lucas said himself, "Oh, it's really." Uh, not much story there to tell anymore, Baba. What's his name? Greedo. I called him Martian. The Greedos. He's Greedo. Yeah, I know Greedo. When I look at that trailer for Rise, The Rise of Skywalker, I picture more of a training session going on there than an actual duel. And there is no confirmation that that actually is Kylo Ren piloting that TIE fighter. We're just jumping to that conclusion because it kind of looks like his TIE silencer from Ep 8. And we see the gloved hands. But still, I mean, I think it it's could Kylo. be. Yeah, I think it's it could, Kylo. It would make sense. But it could be purposely misleading. Remember, remember Last Jedi, the trailer they had? There was there was a thing in there where, where it appeared that Ray and Kylo were in the same place and there there were it was like two different scenes mm-hmm. remember and it was it it made it look like he was reaching like they were about ready to embrace or hold hands no, or something remember well, that no, no that's that was was that accurate or yeah, did they manipulate yeah that was accurate that was the scene after why am i thinking after they, they defeated it? snoke and the praetorian guards kylo held his hand out to ray 
Oh, okay. That was oh, yeah, that was part right. of it. That, no, all that right. was consistent with the corrected. film. That was not misleading at all. I think our speculation was like, oh, they're misleading us. They're, they're putting two things together. But it's just like how we're doing it with the rise of Skywalker. We're, I'm going to say, oh, that's a training sequence. That might not be Kylo flying that thing. I think what we see is the first instinct we have when we see these images they, I think the like eighty percent, ninety percent is consistent with what we see in the film, unless you're talking about a situation like The Force Awakens and Rogue One, mm-hmm. where they were sticking all this crap into the trailer that had no business being in the trailer because it was nowhere to be found in the final film. That was frustrating. I'm glad that we've. I hope those days are behind us. I, I think that speaks volumes of the lack of direction. That the franchise, yeah, and it just feels very manipulative. In. Well, yeah, when you release it, and it's, but it was a totally you know, Rogue One that went through a lot of eleventh hour changes, a considerable amount. Gareth, and you can't blame Gareth. Ed- I think Gareth Edwards is a very talented filmmaker. I really do, and I think he was given the marching orders to make a Star Wars war film. Think Band of Brothers. Think Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. That was specifically cited. Black Hawk Down. Think of those movies. Yeah. And so Gareth went out and he did. He came back and it was bloody. It was violent. It lacked the spirituality. It the characters were not as likable and there was a lack of cohesiveness with the overall saga. So what Gareth came back with was he was told to go make a gritty, harsh Star Wars war film, and Gareth returned with a gritty, harsh war film. And they're like, hey, there's no Star Wars in here. What happened? And he's like, oh, well, I thought, you know, I think it was just a lot of misdirection, miscommunication. Well, they specific I I remember the panel at uh Celebration Anaheim and and they specifically cited those films like Black Hawk Down and Saving Private Ryan as right. as as inspirations for the vibe that they were going for with Rogue One. And you know, it's kind of ironic because to me there's more of a vibe of that in the uh solo war scenes than there is in the entirety of Rogue One. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, especially the all that muddy, and, you know, yeah, that trench battle stuff on Min Bam. Yeah, that that you know that first fifth of the movie or whatever it is. So, um, but you know, the Emperor thing. I'll tell you, I did not think they were bringing the Emperor back. That was a big surprise for me, and I I don't know how in the heck they're going to do it. So I'm itch- I, I'm terrible at this kind of speculation. I don't even. I, I just I can't even wrap my mind around <laughs> it coming terrible out. Terrible at this. I am you know, because it's just point. it's so. I mean, what do we have? A laugh, you know. I just I tend to be um, a lot more factual, and I keep I keep having this vision of like them going into that piece of the Death Star and seeing Palpatine like sitting in a hot tub in there with a you know a tropical <laughs> drink. <laughs> you know. Well, listen, if they but, can if they can turn Thor into the Big Lebowski. Oh, right. Then they could turn Palpatine into hot tub time machine <laughs> or whatever your suggestion. <laughs> All right, listen, let's get to one more. Okay. Okay. One more. Oh, I just had one. Okay. Yeah. Let's do one more. This is Joe. Either his name is Joe Dallas or he's Joe from Dallas. 
Hey, Jimmy Mack and Billy. How you doing, man? It's Joe Dallas. And I was at both events of Celebration. Had a great time. Wanted to come up and meet you and say hi. Uh, it was just, uh, you were, you were mobbed and a lot of stuff happening. So one of these days I'm going to say hi. I'm a big fan. Been listening to the show for a long time. Uh, been to most of your la- latest live things and, uh, been listening for five years. Been a Patreon member for at least as long as you've been doing it, I think. And uh, just wanted to say uh, it's a great show and love listening, and uh, it's a great community to be a part of, and uh, really looking forward to the next movie. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Oh, that was nice. Joe just checking in to uh, to say he, he likes what's happening around <laughs> here, and, and I like what's happening around here thanks to guys like Joe Dallas. And don't give up, Joe. You will meet us. <laughs> we were mobbed. It makes it sound like it's Beatlemania or I something. Know. You know, we're really not mobbed. It's just like we talk too much when people come to talk to us, I think. And yeah. It's just, you know, it's like people are just standing there waiting to just say hi, and we're just like, you know, talking in the air or whatever and just – but <laughs> you know, yeah. After I five hope, or ten minutes, chilled. people are like, "Okay, yeah, we're, no, we're really. good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah like, yeah. no, 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 stay, stay. Come yeah. here. I got. Let me finish my point. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, Bill, you speaketh the truth. <laughs> thanks, Joe, and thanks everyone who called in this week. Thank you so much, our Patreon audience. You guys are the best, and you guys did an awesome job filling up the RFR voicemail hotline this week. Next time we take voicemail, we're going to open it up to everyone. So uh, don't feel frustrated if uh, your voice isn't being heard. But uh, the best way to cure those blues is to join us, RFR, on Patreon. It only takes a buck to join, like I said. There are many tiers to choose from. And I think if you... uh, you jump on board, you'll have a good time with us, just like Joe Dallas does. Thanks, Joe. All right. Say goodbye to this wretched hive of scum and villainy, and hello to Cloud City. is going to do it for Rebel Force Radio this week. lot to look forward to. Future for Star Wars is going to have us talking for years to come. And so if uh, you want to stay along this crazy Star Wars ride with us, is it blasts off in the light speed, the best way to do it is by joining RFR on Patreon. Get all access to RFR on Patreon, and you'll never miss an episode of our bonus content. Like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, which is actually now known as Clone Warrior Tier. It's the Clone Warrior Tier of RFR Patreon, where you get Clone Wars Declassified, remastered episodes, including the Filoni Files, and all of those great roundtable discussions we had for each and every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Binge watch the show and listen to our breakdowns of each and every episode with RFR on Patreon. Email us, show at rebelforceradio.com, voicemail 708-320-1737 or 1RFR. Follow us on Facebook. We're on Twitter at RFR. Rebel Force on Twitter. 
You'll definitely want to follow that and not any other Twitter account that claims to be Rebel Force Radio. Because they're not. They're phonies. They're imposters. And they have no credibility. Uh, Facebook. I don't think there are many RFR imposters on Facebook. But uh, there is great discussion going on all over the place. Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio and the unofficial Rebel Force Radio group, the URFR. Join them today. That's a really quality group. I like those guys. Our official website, rebelforceradio.com, for episodes, news, merch, RFR t-shirts, and more. Subscribe and review to Rebel Force Radio on iTunes for the weekly Rebel Force Radio. And if you leave us a review, remember... Make it good. Plus, you can find Rebel Force Radio at WGM Plus, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else you find those crazy podcasts that you love so much. We're always grateful when you download our show and take us with you wherever you go, whether you're uh, driving into work, commuting, walking the dog, working out at the gym, or just running errands or hanging out around the house. We're getting into that time of year where people are going to be hitting the beach, doing yard work. Take Star Wars with you in your earbuds via Rebel Force Radio each and every week. And uh, keep that awesome vibe from Star Wars Celebration alive with us and listeners like Brian, who left us a voicemail, and everyone else who left us a voicemail this week. Thank you so much. We love you for your support. Thank you to everyone who are members of our RFR Patreon community, and thank you for leaving the voicemails. So we'll be back with Swank next week. Billy, any final words as we sign off? Well, it's going to be one exciting year for Star Wars. You know, sitting down and talking about this, you know, I saw on, on the uh, Sheldon Norton documentary recently that, that Jason says you, you set a buffet for him. <laughs> yeah. And he just partakes in the buffet. And uh, the bu- the buffet this week has me thinking just how much there's coming out. It's it's crazy. I mean, I, can't, I honestly am getting to the point where I can hardly wrap my mind around all the stuff that's coming right, our way. Right. So um, hopefully I'll get a chance to drop in every once in a while and talk about it with you guys. Oh, we'll need you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll and, definitely uh, need you. We'll need you. We'll need Puppet Lando. Yeah. Thank you, Puppet Lando, for stopping by. Always a pleasure to be here. And uh, we look forward to uh, everything that's going to be kicking off starting this fall with The Mandalorian. It's going to be insane. Consider this summer the calm before the storm. Yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. So uh, thanks again, everyone. And, uh, yeah, do check out Sheldon Norton's documentary, When the Galaxy Listens. The director's cut is now available at the RFR YouTube channel. Just search for Rebel Force Radio on YouTube. And you're there. So, on behalf of Rebel Force Radio, the uh, currently Broadway-located Jason Swank, and, of course, Rebel Force Radio brother Billy Mack, I'm Jimmy Mack. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you all. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always.
That's a wrap, partner. Yeah!